Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Everybody doing well today? Yes. Yes. Fall is in the air. Amen. No? It's great. I just want to just, I love this time of year. It's my favorite time of the year. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So if you don't like it, just don't even talk to me, all right? Is that good? Or maybe we should talk and you'll learn to love it the way I do. And I just want to say a big, big, big thank you to you as a church for your allowing me to be able to do some things that are memories for me. And I want to share that with you just for just a minute before I get into today's message, if that's all right. So something I did growing up as a kid is I was raised in Arkansas. And uh, again, we were at University of Arkansas, which is located in Fayetteville. And I grew up about 30, 40 minutes or miles south of there in a town called Fort Smith. If you've seen the movie True Grit, where the railroad ends right there, that's my hometown. And so around the Arkansas-Oklahoma border. And so my dad would get tickets for Razorback games way back in the day when it was a Southwest Conference and our big rival was the University of Texas. And so anyhow, um, and I grew up in a working class, blue-collar uh, family. And so I knew, uh, I didn't really understand at the time, but now I really know what the sacrifices were. And he would take turns taking my brother and me because he couldn't take both of us at the same time because quite frankly, just couldn't afford that. And we would go get a, a, a seat up top and get a Coke and, or a couple of Cokes and a bag of popcorn. And that's what we did. And got in the old pickup truck that was the uh, 1980 Chevrolet Deluxe, Custom Deluxe. Anybody? It was a three-speed manual transmission. My brother and I burned out two clutches learning how to drive a manual on that truck. Man, I could, but I learned how to put my arm on my hand on the steering wheel and put my arm around the girl at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Don't shout me down my preaching good. Anyhow, but it had an AM radio, so we listened to hog radio all the way up and do that. It was just one of those memories. So when I was in Arkansas and then even in Oklahoma before we moved here about 19 years ago, I, this is something we did on a regular basis. And it was just something as an adult, I'd get my dad and go to a game. So when I moved here, it becomes much more difficult. So I've tried uh, through the years to one time a year go to a game and take my dad. So I'm, I'm turning 50 this year. My dad's 75. And so we, we, uh, we just kind of, I, I work on the tickets to get all that out. And so I had a buddy of mine, Joe Lyons, who's been here before. He pastors in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is right there in northwest Arkansas, where Walmart, that little small struggling company is, literally down the street from the church. And uh, He's like, hey, man, I'd like to have you come preach. I said, great, I'd love to come preach. Here are the following dates that I'm available. Well, they happen to be Arkansas Razorback home games. And I said, if you'll get me tickets for me and my dad, I'll just, I'll, I'll preach for free, man. I, but this is a deal I have. He said, done. So I called my dad and my mom and said, hey, meet me and let's go. And so we, we went and got there. And so uh, we got into the hotel in Bentonville, which is about 20 minutes north of, of, of the stadium. And I'm in an elevator and I see a young man who looks like an athlete to me. And he's in an Arkansas Razorback running suit. And I said, are, are you, you go to the University of Arkansas? Yes, sir. I'm the starting safety for the Razorbacks. And I realized they're in the hotel we're in. So again, I go to my mom and dad's room. This is on Friday night before the games on Saturday night. And I'm going to preach these services on Sunday morning. And I just said, hey, Dad, I want to let you know the Razorbacks are in the hotel. If I'm doing too much for you, just let me know. <laughs> and uh, so no problem. The next morning, I go to meet my dad for coffee. We're both, both early risers. My dad has the offensive coordinator cornered because they have to go by this place. And he is talking to him. And I realize what's going on. I said, Dad, he's got to go. He said, do you know who this is? I said, I don't know exactly who this is. Hi, sir. How are you? Nice to meet you. Go Hogs. Dad, we need to let this guy go on to his coach's meeting. So then I'm just trying to get my parents out of the hotel, right? Any, anybody seen the Geico commercial where the, the, the son is like a, he's like a secret agent and the mom's talking about squirrels? 
my mom is watching this and I'm remembering this right now. That's my mother. My mother is, she's got her, it's what's happening right there in her world in the moment. And you may be saving the world on the other end, but she's talking about squirrels or my dad or whatever's going on. So I'm just trying to get them out of the hotel to go get a bite to eat before the game. And, uh, and so on the way out, I'm on the phone and I'm going to the car and I hear her see two, two athletes coming through. She goes, oh, you guys are athletes with the University of Arkansas. My husband and I have our picture taken with you. I just keep walking. I've been through this thing before. It's embarrassing. She gets the receptionist at the hotel to come from behind the counter to take a picture. Here's that picture. You're going to see it. So it's my mom and my dad. What happens to be... The one on the one side of my mom on the right side, that's the starting quarterback, Jefferson. And then, the, then that's the leading wide receiver, Birch, between my mom and my dad. And my dad is like, hey. And my mom is like, I'm here. So anyhow, so, so then we go to the game. It's University of Arkansas against University of Texas. And that rivalry is still one of those things that, uh, uh, wow. And so um, we did not think we were going to win. But 75,000 people showed up at Razorback Stadium. You want to talk about a super spreader. These people were doing everything but kissing each other on the mouth because we won. So it was 40 to 21. So here's a picture of my dad and I. They're rushing the field, and, and they're, they're taking the goalpost down and all that kind of a deal. And again, I'll turn to him and say, am I doing too much for you? <laughs> right? So thank you, guys. So I just want to say to you, Life Church, thank you. I don't take it lightly when I'm gone. Uh, I'd love to be here preaching every week. Uh, and every time, but these are moments that I know that I have moments with my dad and he's doing great. And I think he'll be kicking like a chicken for a long time, but I'm just saying it's one of those things where I just don't take that lightly and to have that experience and to be able to do that was just, thank you. I just want to say thank you. And again, go hogs wherever Ken is. There he is back there. Ken Mueller, University of Texas fan. See, Ken, we got Texas fans here in the room. Amen. I mean, Arkansas fans. Sorry. I got to get into my message today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, uh, uh, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We're in a brand new series called If Then. If Then. And, uh, and again, I hope that you will be the road trip revival. You'll be making plans uh, to be a part. I'll be there at every service every night. We've got the staff every night. Matter of fact, we've, we've rented a motor coach to take the staff on Thursday night to Appleton. It's going to be great. I've been talking to these speakers this week. They're pumped and excited. It's going to be amazing. And, uh, but this week, next week, and the following week, next three weeks, we're in the series, If Then. And it's going to really be about you stirring your heart and preparing your heart. At this revival, I'm not asking you to invite anyone. Matter of fact, I don't think you should. I, and you'll, I don't think I've ever stood on this stage and said, we're doing a special service and just don't invite anyone. Back in the springtime, the Lord laid this on my heart. And my responsibility is to do what he asked me to do. If it's just Tammy and I that show up and nobody else shows up, okay. I'm going to do what I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to do. I'm not going to stand before the Lord one day and God say, I told you to do this. I called this audible. The Holy Spirit led you to do this and you completely heisen me. Nope, nope, nope. It's not my church. It is. And I sense in this season that God wants to do something in our midst. And so we're going to be doing this revival. And then right the week after that revival, we're going to be rolling out uh, prayer meetings that are going to be happening every Wednesday night here at the Germantown campus. And it will be happening at Monday nights at the Brookfield campus and Wednesday night at the Appleton campus and Wednesday nights at the, at the Milwaukee campus, kind of running concurrently with youth services. And it's just going to be a really simple time. And, and I'll be unrolling, unveiling there's some cool technology stuff that we're doing with the prayer wall and with all that kind of stuff that will really make this stuff in real time. But I just sense it's this season that God wants to do something in you so he can do something in our world. 
God will only touch our world if he touches you. God chooses to work through you. He chooses to work through me. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. And so there are these if-then scenarios all throughout Scripture. If you will do this, then God will do that. If you will do this, then God will do that. If you will pray, if you will seek, if you will humble yourself, if you will, then I will. That's what today's about. That's what this series is about. And I want to talk to you a little bit about revival and what it means to have our hearts revived. There's a guy named Charles Finney uh, who was born in in 1792. Uh, He died in 1875. He was considered the father of the second great awakening in this country. Great revivalist. One of his lectures on revival, I don't have time to read all, but I just want to read this for you because it kind of sets up today in this series. He says, a revival consists of two parts as it respects the church, as it respects the ungodly. I shall speak tonight, he's actually speaking, he's a Presbyterian minister, of a revival in the church. Fallow ground is ground that which has been tilled, but now lies waste and needs to be broken up again and mellowed before it's suitable to receive grain. To break up the fallow ground is to break up your hearts, he says, to prepare your minds to bring forth the fruit unto God. For the mind of man is often compared to the Bible in the ground. And the word of God to seed sown in it. And the fruit represents the actions and the affections of those who receive it. To break up the fallow ground. Therefore, is to bring the mind into such a state that is fitted to receive the word of God. And sometimes your hearts get matted and hard and dry and all run to waste. Till there is no such thing as getting fruit from it. Till they are broken up, mellowed down, and fitted to receive God's word. It is this softening of the heart so as to make it feel the truth, which the prophet calls breaking up your fallow ground. And I believe in these next few weeks, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us as a church. I believe God is calling us, the church, to be revived with the breaking up of the fallow ground of our own hearts. I'm not saying you're terrible, you're horrible, but life happens and things happen. And sometimes parts of our hearts have been tilled up, but they've just kind of been left And my prayer is that in this season, we're going to seek God to make changes, to be closer to him, to become more like him. In this way, we're going to find a greater and a stronger relationship with him. And that's what this if-then series is about. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says it this way. For if my people, that's the if, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, that's the then proposition, Will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land? If you, Life Church, who are called by Jesus' name, will humble yourself and you will pray and you will seek God's face and you will turn from your wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven, will forgive you, will forgive us of our sins, and will heal our land. My, my prayer is basically is that in this season, this is exactly what will happen is that we will allow that if-then proposition, that we will do what we can do and allow God to do what only he can do. So today, I just want to start with that, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humility, it doesn't matter what revivalist, what historical revival, which of the three great awakenings, and I believe we're on the precipice of the fourth great awakening in this country, that you read about historically, every single one of them are marked with this verse of humility of men and women humbling themselves. Why? Because the Bible says that God gives, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
You need grace in your life? Then humble yourself before the Lord. You need, you need the forgiveness and the salvation of the Lord? Then humble yourself before the Lord. So how do we do this? How do we develop humility in our life? I just want to take the next 12 minutes and 58 seconds and explain and unpack that. First, admit your sins. Admit your sins. If you're taking notes, you can just write that down. Admit your sins. We all sin. You sin, I sin, we all sin. If we say that we don't sin, we're a liar. Amen? Yeah, some of you are big fat liars, right? Because you don't think you sin. Amen? You do. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. There's only one who didn't, and his name is Jesus. The rest of us? <laughs> We're a bunch of dirty sinners, man. We're, we just, we don't need to, and I don't know, sometimes we get into church and we think, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm checking all these boxes and it's just, all of a sudden our humility goes away and we forget that we are people who are flawed. The word in, in Hebrew that, that would be written here in Second Chronicles for humble is kana. Kana means to bend your knee, to bring low to be brought into subjection. It denotes a change of position or orientation. This is part of where coming and kneeling to pray comes from, that we are called to humble ourselves. And sometimes there are physical actions that are a sign of a spiritual reality. Water baptism, a physical reaction, a sign of a spiritual reality. Lifting my hands in worship, it's a physical reaction of a spiritual reality. Kneeling in prayer, it's a physical reaction to a spiritual reality. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces their sin finds mercy. Spurgeon, another great revivalist, God used in the third great awakening, says we are never so much in danger of being proud as when we think we are humble. You ever been that person? Hey, I'm the most humble guy I know. It's a joke, right? Uh, Kevin and I got that. All right, so it, 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 it's a joke. Revival begins with repentance. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next weekend. But it talks about me admitting my sins. And if you don't know what your sins are, then get alone and humble yourself. Kneel, find a low, brought low posture, and humble yourself and say, God, Search my heart. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Do a work in my heart. If there's anything that keeps me from you, show me. Show me. It's not about being perfect, but it is about being honest. And guess what? God already knows. You can, you can fool everybody else in this room, but you can't fool him. Second is realistically evaluate your strengths and your shortcomings. Realistically, evaluate your strengths and your shortcomings. Romans 12, 3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. What keeps me from realistically evaluating my strengths and my shortcomings? Pride, ego, self ambition, comparison. Like social media really hasn't done a number on that one. Like I look at my life compared to you and you're bad, but I'm not as bad as you. Therefore, it's kind of the mindset. I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Because he's going to devour you before he gets to me. 
And that's one thing in a dog-eat-dog world. It's another thing when it comes to your spirituality because the Bible says that you and I all stand alone before a holy God. I'm not going to be with you there on that day of judgment. You're not going to be with me. I don't get to say, God, but I pastored a church for X number of years, and I did. It doesn't matter. What matters is my heart, and what's in my heart will be brought to light. And all the wood, hay, and stubble, all the junk, all the ego, all the pride, all the self-seeking ambition, that's going to be consumed. And the only thing that's going to last is going to be that which is pure before him, that was done with the right heart and with the right motive, with no pride, with no ego. What's pride? Pride is what made Satan, Satan. Remember, he was an angel in heaven, and he thought he knew better than God. And he and a third of the angels in heaven were cast out because of pride, elevating themselves to the height of God. Pride is the lure that Satan used to cause Adam and Eve to fall into sin. Isn't that interesting? The very, thing, very same thing that destroyed him, he uses to just try to destroy humanity. Pride is what caused humanity to think that they could build a tower to the heavens in Babel. And even to today in the 21st century, we still have our 21st century versions of Babel. We think we can do what God can do. We think we can create what God can create or change what only God can change. Pride is what Israel grabbed onto when they wanted a king for themselves so they could be like every other nation. And they rejected Samuel and they rejected God and they chose Saul. The Bible is full of illustrations of pride leading to the downfall. Pride is based on a false image of ourself. Humility is based on a true one. You've got to self-reflect, become self-aware, and see yourself the way God sees you. See yourself in truth. Remember, there is no grace without truth. There is no need for grace unless there is truth. I can lie to myself all day long. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm better than. I'm better than what I used to be. Third, the third step in finding humility according to the scriptures is to celebrate your successes with gratitude. Celebrate your successes with gratitude. We all have success in our life, but whom do you give credit for? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, what are you so puffed up about? What, have, what do you have that God hasn't given you? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Question's been asked when it comes to humility and you think about gratitude. Again, nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have you. Well, I created this company. Well, I built this portfolio. Well, I did this. Well, I did that. Well, I'm the first one in my family to. And again, those of you that are type A, like me, you're, we're all jacked up. But I mean, we're really jacked up. Because we really think, well, we're going to work our way out of this. And we're going to prove to everybody that we can. It's pride. Pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. The thing that saved David's bacon in the Old Testament wasn't his strength. It was his humility that he refused to be prideful and arrogant. And he gave all the glory to God every single 
time. And Saul doesn't do half as much as what David does in sin or in accomplishment. But yet Saul was way more prideful and his heart was far away from the things of God. Although at one point in time it had been touched by God. See, are you a sponge or are you a mirror? A sponge absorbs. A mirror reflects. When you win, who gets the glory? You or God? When you have the sale, who wins? You or God? When you win the game, is it you or God? When you make the grade, is it you or God? When you make the cut, is it you or God? When you, when you acquire that new business, is it you or God? When you look at your bank statement, is it you or God? When you do whatever it is that you do, is it you or God? When you pastor the church or you preach the sermon, Aaron, is it you or is it God? Woo, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. The, the truth of the matter is, is that it's very careful for you and I to, to take hold of the glory and kind of go, well, I worked really hard. And what, but, but, but without him, I don't have anything, right? The Bible says it's in him that I live and I move and I have my being. The very essence of who and what I am is in him. And outside of that, of that sphere of who God is, I am nothing. The fourth thing is to serve others selflessly. Serve others selflessly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That is way much easier to read and preach than it is to live. When I read that, and when I'm preaching that, I know somebody's going to cut me off today in the parking lot at the restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody's going to get in my way. Something's not going to happen right. It's going to be an inconvenience to me. I'm going to want to power up. And in those moments, do you power up or do you power down? In those moments when you see someone else, do you, when it's someone else is an inconvenience, do you absorb that person and, and, and try to receive that person and be kind? See, we're most like Jesus when you and I shift our focus from selfish desires to selfless service. That's what he did all throughout the New Testament. Washes the feet of the disciples, feeds the 5,000, heals the sick, dies on the cross for our sins. None of that had to do with him. His entire time on this earth had nothing to do with his benefit. He was already the son of the living God. He was already Alpha and Omega. He didn't need to prove anything. But the Bible says this was a task that was laid before him. This was his mission. To seek and save that which is lost. You, me. And what did we do when he came? Instead of welcoming him as a king and giving him his rightful place and his rightful due, we killed him. Try to destroy him. But the power that raised Christ from the dead, death, hell, and the grave could not hold him because he's God. That's what it means to be humble. Now you take that. Now you do that. No, you first. No, here's this. It's not, it's not I, me, and my. We're not spiritual toddlers. Amen. It's about giving up. You may go, this is a little heavy. 
It is. You know why? Because it's about you. It's because you know your own junk. You know your own stuff. You know what you deal with. So today, what do you need to do? Are there sins in your life that you need to confess to God? Not to me. Remember, you, you have a great high priest. His name is not Aaron. His name is Jesus. That's what the book of Hebrews says. That we can boldly go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy at any time, at any day, at any hour. Maybe you need to take a couple of minutes today and just evaluate your strengths and your shortcomings. Some of you, you know your strengths really well, but your shortcomings, you just kind of want to marginalize us. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that just kind of, it's these little breaches of integrity. It's these little moments where you just kind of cut the corners. If you're not careful, they come full grown and they'll eat your lunch. What are your shortcomings today? You don't need me to point that out. You don't need anybody else. What about your gratitude? Do you own your success or do you give it to God? Do you own the success of your business or do you give it to God? I understand there are things that you've done, but without his blessing of your mind and your capacities and your abilities and your, all that he's given you, what are you? And serving, how do you deal with your fellow man? The person that you know and the person that you don't know. Today, I wanna take a couple of minutes and I just want us to self-reflect. Is the band's gonna come in just a moment and they're gonna lead us in a song. And I just wanna ask you to ask yourself this question. Am I walking in humility? Why? Because if my people whom are called by my name, that's you, you're his people, the sheep of his pasture, you're called by his name. If you will humble, we'll talk about prayer and repentance next weekend, but today we wanna talk about humble humility. If you'll humble yourself, then God will show up. Again, I said at the beginning of the sermon, I feel like God wants to do something great through us, but he first has to do it in us. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna come out and they're gonna lead in a song and then Pastor Ryan's gonna come right back out and lead out in the service. You can sit in your seat if you'd like to, but humility in the Old Testament is a physical posture of kneeling and bowing and making yourself and becoming low. Some of you have sin in your life that you need to make right with God. You don't need me to do that, but you need to do that. And in just a minute, you need to get up from where you're sitting and you need to come and you need to find a place along the front to kneel. Not because there's a scarlet letter. And just, can I just tell you this? I'm never concerned about the people that make their way to the front. It's always the people that sit in the back. With, and those of you that are sitting in the back, I'm not picking on you. I can see some of your faces and some of you I can but with their arms folded, with your favorite song of the church, I shall not be moved. <laughs> but the person that goes, oh man, I really need Jesus. You're gonna make it because you're humble. Some of you, as you began to evaluate and you reflect, you're gonna sit in your seat for a moment. You're gonna think I'm okay, but the Holy Spirit's going to draw you Here's some shortcomings, here's some things, here's some ego, here's some pride that's gonna trip you up. You need to get from where you are, change a place, change a pace, become change of perspective and humble yourself and kneel and give it to the Lord. Maybe you can't physically kneel. Pastor, I can, I can either turn this seat into an altar or I can just come forward and just find a place on the front and just sit down. And that's my, that's my humility before the Lord.
Some of you, you're claiming your own success and you need to give gratitude to the Lord. Some of you, it's all about you and your world and the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, less of you and more of him. You must decrease so that he can increase. I don't know what it is. And if nobody responds, you're not responding to me. I'm just the messenger. When I was preparing for this message, I felt very, very, very strong in my heart. I texted all the campus pastors today and said, I think we need to open the altars up and, 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 and invite people to come because I think this is what humility looks like. You know what it sounds like? People broken before the Lord saying, oh God, here I am. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Lord, you are altogether lovely. You are altogether holy. I am nothing. I must decrease. You must increase. And if you'll do that, he's going to show up in your midst. He's going to show up in your family. He's going to show up in your businesses. He's going to show up in this church. And he's going to do what he wants to do through our community. That's my prayer today. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your head as a band makes their way? Father, I just thank you today. Lord, as we just kind of fold our Bible up and we put our notes up and we just sit in solemnness and reverence in this moment, oh, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts and draw us. Lord, speak to our hearts about our sin. Point out our sin. Lord, let us, as we ask, we know that you will communicate. Speak to us. Father, I just pray in these few moments, Lord, as we deal with our own pride and our own egos, speak to us. God, sometimes we get into stuff and we don't even realize it. Speak to us about how we're claiming success for things in our life instead of giving you glory. God, speak to us, Lord, about our own selfishness. Sometimes we can be so selfish. And it's not about us, it's about others. The amazing thing about the kingdom of God is that when we put others first, when we serve others, then we're served. When we're last, then we become first. When we serve, then we are served. It's how the kingdom works. Totally opposite of our world. Today, God, let us humble ourselves. Let us kneel. Let us bring low ourselves. God, we want you to move in our lives, in our midst, to do what you want to do in our world, in our family, in our businesses, in our community, in our schools, in our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.